man, one voice that stands alone. I give one choice to man the throne. Stand good and take shots, give it all I got. All I got is this microphone. And we are live on Facebook as are the Pulp Revelators, our Monday Revelations. We have, uh, Marvel has taken some time off, uh, but we have not. Star Wars has, has, is delivering new episodes of The Bad Batch. Um, Netflix and Amazon Prime are delivering all kinds of things. And, and meanwhile, Marvel's given us movie announcements um, all the way through 2023. So, um, as we start tonight, the Bad Batch, I think, is what um, everybody's talking about. And uh, uh, Joe, uh, you may be the biggest Star Wars fan. I don't want to sell Brooks short or anything, but I think you might be the biggest Star Wars fan on here. Um, what can you tell us about the Bad Batch? Uh, well, the Bad Batch is uh, a continuation side story, perhaps, from... Uh, the Clone Wars. Uh, and then if you're familiar with the TV show, the animated series, the Clone Wars, uh, I think last year they had a seventh season that was sort of a continuation of finishing up the story uh, from, from the Clone Wars. Um, and then you were introduced to this group uh, of clones called Clone Force 99. Um, they were, for those who are familiar with Star Wars and the clones, Clones are just that they're they're clones of one single person, you know, and they're all based on this to be the same. They're made to be efficient, proficient, um, but they all have a little bit of individuality to them. Uh, the Bad Batch are a set of clones that are have some uh, mutations that happen to them, uh, so they set themselves apart a little bit. Um, and then this story, the Bad Batch, is kind of their story, where they fit into the universe, um, and then exactly what what happens to them and happens with them. Very cool. We, we were talking just a little bit before we came, you know, live. Star Wars is, is integrating the animated world and the the real life action world to be all part of the same continuity. And, you know, Brooks and Mark, I know you guys were digging the show so far. Yeah, and I think it's cool that, you know, it started, They, I think they were really smart, going back to what you just said about how they kind of find a point in time to kind of make it all make sense. They started at Order 66, which is obviously a big Star Wars point, you know, um, that happens in the third movie, right? And then, so you can kind of follow along, you know, what's going on elsewhere around, you know, the in the Star Wars world as this is going on but you also see you know cart animated versions of the live action people that are in star wars you know in a new hope as well as i, I imagine you're going to see people in this that may end up either in the mandalorian it's just really i think it's really neat the way they do it i love the animation i mean the animation is just really really cool i mean you could lose yourself and think that you're watching live action. I mean, the, the animation's like really cool like that. And it's expressive and it's emotive and it doesn't feel like you're watching a cartoon necessarily, nor does it feel like Pixar. It's kind of its own thing, which is really neat. Just waiting for Jar Jar. <laughs> That's what Brooks keeps saying. Brooks keeps teasing me and saying, look out, Jar Jar is coming, here he comes. 
I mean, well, he is still around, and even in this universe at this time period, he's still there somewhere. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, he's still there. So there, there, you know, just just because you know, there, there may be a case where he pops up. You know, uh, which I, which will definitely be diversive in the universe, Star Wars universe uh, of, of people showing up. Um, you know, but but like Mark said, it is it's really nice to see that and you see it a lot a lot of times you have franchises that have tv shows and they'll have movies and they'll have comics and they'll have books like that's nothing new but very rarely do you see a lot of them merge into one thing whereas like a lot of times you'll see movie characters go into comics you'll see movie characters go into tv shows but not a lot of times you see an animated character come out of animation to a live action movie, such as like Saul Guerrero. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Saul Guerrero started in Clone Wars. His character art came in Clone Wars, the original series. When they did Rogue One, his character became live action and turned into the, uh, 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 uh I can't think of the actor's name off the top of my head. I got Morgan Freeman in my head. I know that's not it. Um, but his, he became a live action character. And I see that they're doing that a lot now where animated characters, even in The Mandalorian, you have an animated character who came into a live action, uh, which is always awesome to see. And Joe, is, this, is the, the Emperor's speech that they watch in Bad Batch, the first episode, mm-hmm. Is that is that there's a live action version version of that correct? And yeah. So I mean they do yeah. which is really cool. I mean so you get to watch that what you know you've already seen in the third movie, right? You actually get to watch it take place in a whole another from a whole different perspective in a whole different medium. Yeah, really and it's awesome. just For, Forrest Whitaker was the actor, by the way. Forrest Whitaker, thank you. Um, yeah, that is, that's like what you said earlier, Mark, because it kind of gives you that point, that bullet point of where you are in the story. So like yeah. when you watch this, you see them say, you know, they says execute order 66, you know, automatically where in the story you are, you know, what happened in the movie, you know, okay, this is what's happening. Even before that, when they say uh, Obi-Wan is on Utapau with General Grievous, you know, that's that fight where he is there with General Grievous. So you kind of have that buildup. So, you know, at this whole time where they're talking, they're running off, he's fighting General Grievous. He killed him. He's moved on. Spoiler alert for anybody who's watching this has never seen it. So sorry. Um, <laughs> We're not here for um, those people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. They need to go back under the rock that they've been yeah, under. Yeah, we're. I think we're at the 15 year mark. So your grace period is done with that. Um, so you know, and and he he kills Grievous. He goes back. Everything happens. Execute Order 66. They shoot Obi Wan. However, it goes. And then that's where Bad Batch kicks off. When they go back to Camino and he has that, he's up on the hollow screen and he's given that speech about it. That's directly from the movie where Palpatine is in the Senate and is telling the Senate about how the Jedi have taken over. They've scarred him in the new galactic empire. You know, and that's where Padme says, you know, this is how, uh, this is how the Republic falls and thunders the falls that gives you that footnote of where you are in the story. So then when as they go on, you can kind of have a beat of where where things are, you know, and I, and I think it's pretty cool. I think as you go through 
the show, they'll give you more of those, a little bit more of those little beats so you can kind of figure out where you are. It's an interesting thought. I mean, you've got this, you know, I think we all remember in, in Revenge of the Sith and, 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 you know, the Jedi all just start getting mowed down and it's, it's powerful and that, that, and they're all clones. And so they're following orders, but you think, is it that easy to just all of a sudden, you know, flip a switch and then all of a sudden the Jedi are bad guys. Would anybody have questioned what, you know, and then this whole idea of the clones, is there, you know, are what happens to the ones who, who, who aren't, you know, quite in step with everybody else. It, so it, it, it tweaks a couple of interesting questions to make a show, you know, and so far really interesting show. I think it's really interesting. Um, just kind of the timeline where their most popular um, shows and movies are currently fitting. Um, I mean, the Clone Wars was popular. It had a following and it, it was really good because it showed like, you know, Star Wars characters during a real war that had consequences. I mean, characters died throughout the Clone Wars. You'd get attached to characters and then the next season they'd be dead. Um, but Nate, right now, if you look, like Star Wars Rebels was a really popular TV show. Um, I didn't watch all of it. There are some parts of it, but in that you had Vader appear, Obi-Wan appeared. Um, you had, <clears throat> then on the opposite end of the spectrum, you have the Mandalorian where characters from um, previous animated shows have appeared. Um, I can't remember her name right off, but Katie Sackhoff plays her. She's the uh, Mandalorian. Bo-Katan. Yeah. yeah. She, she originally appeared on um, Rebels. And I think she might have been on the Clone Wars too. I don't know. But um, She was in the Clone Wars first. Yeah. So now she's got a live action counterpart. Um, but then you have Luke Skywalker appear in that. So now you have Bad Batch. It's right on the cusp of where Rebels begins as well. I mean, it's definitely years later because uh, Kanan's older in uh, Rebels, but there potentially could be an appearance by Darth Vader in this. There could potentially be an appearance by Obi-Wan eventually during this time period. So look at that shortened time period where they're getting the most popularity now. It's right at the beginning of the rebellion and right at the end of the rebellion is uh kind of like so it's again kind of their most popular products are now circling around that original trilogy to include Rogue one Rogue one was one of the most popular movies to come out in the past few years han solo should have been but not so much it was not <laughs> a bad movie i liked it um but the um you know originally like when the original prequels came out when the first movie, I remember everyone was excited and it was going to be the whole new thing and everyone walked out of it and was still faking like they were excited, even though they just watched a really bad movie, um, you know, and then it continued on. And then the, then the final trilogy came out and everyone saw the first one and it was a really good movie because it reminded you of a new hope. It followed the same program and then everyone watched the subsequent ones and um, the subsequent ones and people they definitely argue about the merits of those last two films. So again, I, I was just Tim's about favorite. That. What's that? They're Tim Laramore's favorites. Exactly. Um, <laughs> since Tim's not here to defend himself, we, we, can that all night. we can poke that bear and have him watch it later. Um, but the, uh, I just thought it was really interested that shortened time period now that we're looking at that they're focusing on a and lot. To your, 
to your point, Ben, the Kenobi series is set in the same time frame. That's yeah. coming out live action. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the original trilogy went over years. So there's all kinds of stuff that happened in between the movies that they've been telling in the comics, but there's still plenty of stories that they could tell that they could go back to. They have a whole huge time period to tell one-offs. They could eventually do an animated series that's based on the original characters. Yeah, I mean, because you look at it from like the from epi- from uh, from the Clone Wars or the Revenge of the Sith, the last of the prequels, from that movie until A New Hope, you have like a eight. <laughs> it's funny being out here. I see all my neighbors walking by. So if you see me waving, that's who I'm waving to. Um, so you have this like eighteen year gap where people where there's where there's a lot of stuff happening. And so there's there's an 18 year gap between those two movies where anything and everything can happen. Like you said, that's where the Kenobi series is going to start. That's where like the Mandalorian falls in. All these shows, Rebels falls in there. All these movies are falling into that category. And the cool thing is like where the Bad Batch fits into there, where the Bad Batch doesn't necessarily follow that Skywalker story. Like a lot of things here always follow the Skywalker saga, the Skywalker story. All the main films follow the Skywalker series. The Bad Batch doesn't follow that. It runs alongside of it, but it can also veer off. So there is, you can have nothing to do with any Skywalker, Anakin, any of that. And it still be a good story. You know, they may mention him, but as, again, as far as, as far as a lot of people think, Anakin Skywalker is dead mm-hmm. to, to most of the Empire, the people who are in the Empire, the people who are in the Rebellion, any Jedi that are left outside of the two that we obviously know who know he's not. Um, and, you know, the clones, anybody, they all think Anakin Skywalker is dead because he was a Jedi. And, and when the purge happened, no one knows where he is. So they all assume that he was killed with every other Jedi. Um, so that's a good, that's the cool thing about the Bad Batch is they can go along that, that line, they can bring up Anakin Skywalker and who he was, you know, from their small interaction with him, but you don't have to have him in there. You don't have to have the talk of, you know, the Skywalkers in this story to still make it a good story. No, yeah, I would love to see a live action Darth Vader TV series, Hmm. just him going on missions Mm -hmm. for the, uh, emperor uh yeah. kevin one of our watchers said if they did an old republic series it would be popular i'm sure and then with the books and everything coming out i'm sure i wouldn't be surprised if something came out on the horizon because there's the books the video games and we already discussed that star wars is becoming a multimedia continuity like yeah. it's, it's it's high republic that the uh oh, okay comics that are the comics that are going right now right but it's probably the same time period right and and they're and they're selling like crazy yeah the the old the high republic is what they're doing now so the high republic is i think it runs in about 900 years before uh episode one and then there's the old republic which is thousands of years before um you know so 
the the high re, the the old republics more of that beginning um that beginning stages of everything is like they said the height of everything this is where the jedi were you know really popular the sith were even very prominent during the old republic i think in the high republic that or the high republic that they're doing now Sith aren't such a big thing. They're there, but they're not. They're not the big thing. They're not the the, the big evil that they are. Um, so they're yeah. So right now they're doing that High Republic, which is which has become a hit, I think, for a lot of people um, right now. And they're just into the comics and the books right now. What happens as far as the movie and TV show go? I'm sure somewhere down the line we'll see something. Uh, but like I said, right now it's just in the comic and uh, and book realm. So for now. I'm glad we've got our Star Wars historian with us between <laughs> Kevin. Kevin's coming all along. And I have to say this because I was just thinking the same name that he just brought up. His exact comment. Well, first he said there was some good fan stuff made about Vader. And then he said uh-huh. the High Republic gets a thumbs down, but the Old Republic gets a thumbs up. And he said, plus you have Reven during this time. During this time. And I was going to say that a really cool character was introduced in Dark Horses uh, in the video games of Old Republic. And that's Darth Reven. Or however you say his name, Revan. Um, but he a uh, really, really cool character that I've always wanted to see in some of the other multimedia. And I think he has reappeared in the current continuity. So um, that's the one thing is when Dark Horse had all the uh, the license for stars before, they do all these really great stories, but then Lucasfilm would come along and do their own thing, so they wouldn't make it into continuity. And then yeah. Disney bought it and they just said none of it's continuity, just throw it all out. <laughs> yeah um, they have pulled from it like even the bad batch um prior to that there was the um you know, you've probably heard tim and i talk about a hundred times on this show but there was the um republic commando novel series and video game which was really great um especially since they really they like the writer interviewed like special forces guys and really kind of pulled some military knowledge into the books and um that's what the Bad Batch reminds me of because the Republic Commandos originally were defective clones as well, um, as were the uh, the ARC troopers. This one troop, this one group of them that was featured in the uh, Republic Commando series. So they seem to be pulling stuff from those old stories and redoing it um, in sometimes better ways. But like I said, it's just really interesting to me the time period they're focusing on. I like, you know, when they started doing the prequels and the uh, the sequels to the sequels, I never thought that we would keep coming back to that original trilogy, even though it was my favorite. And we still keep seeming to circle that on both ends of it, the original trilogy, which was mm-hmm. which to me was the ultimate part of the story. I, I find it funny how the the new shows and movies and stuff that Disney are making have nothing to do with the sequel trilogy at all. Like most of the shows have nothing to do with the sequel trilogy. You think that no. that's what they would be making movies and shows about? But no. You mean seven, eight, nine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, and that's gonna be the interesting thing going forward is how. Because at some point you want them to catch up, right? So it's like in the present, in the moment. But I don't know how they're going to rectify that. Because like you said, Gary, like the 7, 8, and 9 are just kind of, we don't know how people really feel about it. You know, it, it's, it's, not, it's certainly not as popular as Mandalorian is. At some point, they're going to have to just start, like, let live in the world that they're in, right? And, and you know what I mean? And not have it always draw back to the original trilogy. 
Well, I know Tim had read a rumor that they're actually considering making those movies non-canon. And I think that's I think that's the right I, I think that's the right call, don't you? I would agree because they're so polarizing. Um, but I, I don't know. They would have to uh, they would have to eat a lot of shoe polish to actually <laughs> make that move, basically. <laughs> so yeah. um, I, I, I'm not sure. May, I mean, of course, we have a whole, you know, Kevin Feige's in charge of all Star Wars now. So, you know, he may have no problem because it's the guys that came before. Uh, you know, Kevin just—I <laughs> feel like Kevin should just join us. Um, he's, he's a take a clue, he said, "Take a clue from Marvel and make an alternate timeline." And um, I mean, everyone it's does all a dream. It's, I, it'll, I will, be, right. it'll be the Kelvin timeline for Star Wars. Yeah, I will say this real quick. Kevin is Kevin's another Star Wars buff like me. Uh, I, Kevin and I have had conversations about Star Wars and stuff too. So. I'm sure he's in there furiously typing away right now with a lot of the stuff that we're talking about. Um, and, and, you know, and I, I kind of, I'm, I'm one of those people who I won't say I hated the sequels um, as much as some people do. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not a Tim Laramore when it comes to the sequels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm not, I, I personally, the first one, uh, seven and nine, well, seven I enjoyed. Eight, yes, I agree. Eight is not the greatest, and there are there's a lot that it really takes a real left turn. And then nine, I'm okay with. You know, I can deal with them. Um, so if they redcon those or take them or redo them, I, I, I'm not mad about it. But at the same time, I just feel like I, I don't know. I, I I don't really think that's a, the way to go. Um, but I also think that some of these shows are starting to do little things to connect to them. And one, for instance, is in The Mandalorian. There is a the talk of clones, you know, so of the Kaminoans and wanting to get baby group, baby Yoda or Grogu for experiments. Right. And then when you go to uh, I think it's one of the last episodes where they go to this plant and they see these what look like clones or look like bodies or whatever they are, you know, that kind of gives that, there's that thread. It's, they're not, they're starting to yank on it a little bit, you know, a little bit there to pull it in. Um, the Bad Batch even, yeah. they haven't said it, but they're kind of setting it up with this new character that they've, put, they've presented. Is this Omega character? Um, she's a clone. She is the only clone. For, she's the first and only female clone to come from Camino. So you know, a lot of people have been saying online, "Is she force sensitive? Is she a force sensitive clone that they've been working on that Palpatine was working on?" Because there's some mystery to her, and a lot of things have been presented to show that she has some kind of force ability probably intuition um we haven't we don't know yet we don't know yet but for me if you follow the formula of star wars and their tv shows uh the clone wars had ahsoka uh rebels had ezra bridger and the mandalorian had grogu who were all young characters who were in need of guidance and protection, who all turned out to be 
force sensitive in some way uh, to everything. So it goes with the formula Star Wars has of having a young character who ends up being sent, who ends up being force sensitive, who needs to learn and grow and help the main character become better or grow. Like Anakin with Ahsoka and Anakin, Ezra Bridger and Kanan, the Mandalorian and Grogu, now the Bad Batch Hunter and this Omega character. Um, you know, so. Brooks, what are you sitting on over there? You got a, something that you're thinking about? Uh, no. No? <laughs> I thought, uh, like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> I thought he was raising his hand, too. But when you wonder, <laughs> and you I'm do curious, wonder. I'm curious from your end, Brooks. Like, now, we're only a couple episodes into Bad Batch, but do you look forward to it as much as, like, you know, WandaVision or Falcon Winter Soldier? Or are you, like, really psyched for a new episode to come out? Uh, no, not as much as Falcon or Soldier or WandaVision, but I'm still excited for the next episode to come out. Yeah, and, and we're only, we're, we're very early into it, too, so we don't know, you know, how much. I, I'm thinking of 7, 8, 9 as like the, the your drunk uncle at a family reunion, he just kind of want to put him in a corner and, and, and keep him away from everybody else. That, that'll be the, 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 the part of the story that nobody talks about anymore. <laughs> the Star Wars series. I mean, you look out there and eight's like dumping its septic tank into your gutter. So <laughs> Okay, well here's and here's my rebuttal to that is my rebuttal seven seven, eight, and nine are what one, two, and three were when they first came out. Everybody hated one, two, and three. So many people were like, ah, get rid of it. It sucks. It's horrible. George Lucas is crazy. I can't believe he wrote this. But now, and, and here's the thing, I think what happened is the people who love that movie, those three, the prequels, are now have a voice. You know, before they were probably like Brooks's age where they couldn't really get online. They couldn't, they were just kids. Oh, you don't know what you're talking about. And it was the the original trilogy people were, no, you know, four, five, and six are the best movies ever. You don't know what you're talking about watching this prequel stuff. Now you're starting to see people appreciate the prequels. The prequels are starting to become prominent. People are really loving it. Uh, of course, people still say they have their flaws. Like, I love episode one. I love episode three. I like episode one. I, I Two is, is, I can't stand episode two. Um, but I'll still watch it when I watch a movie thing. But those people who love those movies are now standing up and being like, no, these are great movies. Here's why. We're standing up behind them. This, that, and third. So give it a few years, and the same people will be having the conversation about <laughs> <laughs> having the same conversation about um seven eight nine they're like no we love seven eight nine you know so these kids that love it and grew up with it they that's their trilogy so each generation now has a trilogy that you will see people kind of talk about and kind of support and and stand behind so and and on the other end is i'm the opposite of brooks i am very I'm a little more excited for Star Wars, the Bad Batch to come out than I was Winter Falcon and Winter Soldier, only by a little bit. And that's only because I'm such a, a Star Wars fan. You know, like I love all the Marvel stuff and I love WandaVision when it came out. I was excited for Winter Soldier and all that. But for me, this is what, this is my like excitement is Star Wars. So when this, so I'm a little slight bit more excited about Bad Batch than uh, WandaVision and the Marvel stuff. So, Joe, have you ever watched the uh, Phantom Edit or um, Attack of the Edit? 
Okay. So no, I don't. I don't think so. There are versions of episode one and two that um, a fan went back, and in episode one, they removed all the cringy, like really like cheesy portions. So yeah. Um, they they couldn't remove they couldn't remove all of Jar Jar. I remember the guy apologizing for that. Yeah. So ingrained into the first film, and then in um, episode two, they went back and re-edited the film, and um, they removed the cringy romance, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, they're not bad films once they're re-edited and remove that stuff. I watched. But yeah. One time I had uh. I had ripped them on the DVDs and put them on my uh, big screen and watched. And I was like, <laughs> that was, that, though, they were both relatively good movies if you cut out yeah. those parts. Um, right. I'm super excited about Bad Batch because now they can finally make this storyline of Jar Jar being a Sith agent reality. <laughs> I probably wouldn't go so far as to make him like, you know, Palpatine's boss or Palpatine's boss, but <laughs> they could still make him a Sith. Because he doesn't show up later, so something had to happen to him. <laughs> <laughs> then they could just say that he died somewhere. <laughs> that would probably make everybody happy, Brooks. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> somewhere between episode two or three, he just he just somewhere in between those movies, he just died in something. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to see Jar Jar like reach out to force choke somebody and trip and accidentally get the wrong guy or something. That's exactly how it would go too. So um so any any um it's way early, but anything that you're you're hopeful for that, that might happen in the bad batch. I'd like to see, I mean, I'm I'm a very casual Star Wars fan. I have I've seen everything. Not necessarily all the Clone Wars or Rebels, but very, very casual. This, the show feels, now, Joe, you brought up a point that, you know, thematically they run the same way, all the shows, but it feels almost too much like the Mandalorian to me of this group of, except it's like kind of the dirty dozen version of the clones who are this team who are super tough and they're commandos, but they're still just a, a larger group of like almost the Mandalorian you know, as a group of four or five different identities protecting a young child. It feels very similar thematically. Now, you brought up that all of those series are kind of like that, which makes me wonder if they're not going to all unite into kind of a super team with all these young um, Jedi eventually down the road. But it's, um, to me, I I, want to see what they're up to. Like, the more I talk about this, the more we talk about it, I feel like they're up to something. And they're going to pull the rug out from under. So we're all going to go, oh, my God, this is incredible what they're doing. Like what Gary said around this, you know, original trilogy that they're somehow going to set this up to something that's going concurrently with where the world is. That's interesting. And I don't know how they're going to do it, but I feel like one of these days the rugs going to get pulled out and we go, oh, you know, the seven, eight, nine, we're all a dream or seven, eight, nine is this <laughs> alternate universe that happened or, Seven, eight, nine. They thought it was really important, but it really wasn't. They, you know, they because what the real action was going on over here. I feel like there's somehow they're going to pull that off. It'll be like Dallas. They'll wake up and Luke's in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) It was a mosquito bite. (laughs) Somehow they're going to do that, or you know, all those things will be happening in a small corner of the universe that wasn't really relevant anymore. They're going to do something like that. I, I just feel like they have to because these other shows are a lot more popular. 
and frankly, they're better stories. I have the best way they could do it. For each show, there's a cameo secret scene in the end credits, and it's Mace Windu going around recruiting them all, having faked his death. <laughs> You're welcome, Disney. I'm just saying. With Mace Windu. Mace Windu and, and Nick Fury team up. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Kevin, Kevin says more Darth Maul is what he'd like to see. Darth Probably one of the best characters to come out of um, the recent, you know, the after original trilogy. And it's kind of funny. He had like brief moments in the original film he was in and got chopped in half at the end and then returned from the dead and has been one of the most popular characters prior. And, and, and there and was that scene in Solo. The whole coolest concept that, hey, he looks incredibly cool. I mean, you yeah. can't, whoever, like, the artist that dreamed him up was probably like, man, I wish I had asked for more money when I gave him this. <laughs> um, him and Ed Brubaker are drinking in a bar somewhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, you just look at, like, how popular, and he, he's kind of like the Boba Fett of the original trilogy. Boba Fett was the same way. He appeared for two seconds yep. in two films, and became one of the most popular characters to come out of the whole entire thing to the point now where we see him and you know even as an old guy he's incredibly cool so um yeah i just always thought that those two characters were it was kind of like really neat and what made you gravitate to them is i think the original designs mm -hmm. there we go. Darth Maul and Boba Fett both got their time to shine, though. That's true. You know, after their original appearances. And Good also, point. Darth Maul does have apparently a bit of a story somewhere because that was that there was that one scene solo that never went anywhere with him in it. Yeah, that ties right into Rebels because he's a character in the Rebels uh, animated series. So. Solo, Rogue One, and Rebels apparently were all kind of revolving around one another, which kind of brings us back into that crazy continuity thing that they're doing now where they can, you know, interchange these characters, which is great. I mean, I, I, it, I'm excited because Star Wars has always had a continuity, but like I said, it was like kind of loose and Lucas would jettison stuff and say, yeah, that's not really fitting in the canon. Now it seems like with Marvel, almost everything they're putting out is canon. And as you said, Faggy's in charge of Star Wars now, you know, so they're not going to waste material if they can help it. And I think they'll try to connect it. I so, think, yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the oh, I was, things I've seen ahead, lately was um, everyone, and I might have said this, so if I'm repeating myself, well, just let me, because I'll probably say it again a few episodes from now. Um, <laughs> but the... Um, a lot of people were fans were like really pushing for Sebastian Stan to take over as uh, Luke Skywalker. Somebody went us as far to take his face and superimpose it on Luke Skywalker. And you can barely tell the difference. It's kind of crazy. And he had made the comment that, you know, he's like, he's like, well, if Mark Hamill ever gave me his, you know, gave me his, uh, his seal of approval. Sure. I'd do it. And I think literally like an hour later, Hamill got on and, did it he reposted that on twitter and supported it fully so i would love to see something like that that would be cool though i'm sure there's plenty of people that are done with skywalkers you know but they say that but everyone got super excited about his cameo in the mandalorian true 
So, I mean, like I said, we're, we're certain things you do in this time period, that Skywalker thread is always going to be there mm-hmm. and it's always going to get tongue on, you know, and especially when you get into the Mandalorian time frame, because the Mandalorian time frame is right after uh, Return of the Jedi. So anything that happens after Return of the Jedi in between uh, The Force Awakens, there is always that possibility that that Luke Skywalker thread is going to get pulled somewhere in anything now like right now obviously in this bad batch era before um episode four you're not going to get a whole lot of luke skywalker uh just because he's he's a he's a child he's on tatooine nobody knows who he is he's just some 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 farm kid you know who who's with his aunt and uncle on a moisture farm so you're not going to get a whole lot of that um you know obviously when kenobi comes around there's going to be talk of it uh, just because that's the nature, part of the nature of Kenobi, of the Kenobi story. Um, but anything now in this time period, you're not going to have a whole lot of Luke Skywalker talk. But anything you do after that time period, uh, you're going to have, you know, that that Skywalker thread's always going to be there to get pulled, um, you know, as far as, as you know, figuring out where, where, where he fits into there. So so kevin's asking is is that a definite that kennedy is out and feggy is in and that's that's all that that i've seen reported is that feggy is the 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 runner of all the star wars projects now same as marvel so he's palpatine when it comes to grids the storytelling of disney (laughs) (laughs) right why not so one of the, so we will we will be back with more Bad Batch uh, as episodes come out, and we'll talk more about those. Um, I will say there's some shows we're not going to get to tonight. Invincible, which we can't talk about without Jeff Sanders, um, because he's been so excited about it. Uh, and Jupiter's Legacy, which which premiered, they dropped all eight episodes last Friday on Netflix, um, which is a Mark Millar world. Um, show which i'm about halfway through and it's going great but one of the things that happened over the past week uh as well um i think it was actually last monday when marvel brought out their um homage to the past movies and dropped dates for the next two and a half years of of marvel movie theater releases um and we haven't had a chance to even weigh in on those. So I wanted to, to bring us into the, uh, the MCU in the movie world. Um, and they didn't even touch on the shows. They didn't even mention any of them. They just went through, you know, if, if you run down it from Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and Spider-Man in, two th- in 2021, to Doctor Strange, Thor, Black Panther, and the Marvels, in 2022 and then ant-man wasp and guardians 3 in 2023 so i mean just you know throw a grenade in a room and run i mean there's a lot of stuff um mangles what do you think well i I think what's most interesting about that and the way they're doing this now you know we all knew black panther 2 is coming but we didn't know it was black panther wakanda forever we knew captain marvel 2 was coming we didn't know it was the marvels so when they flip those, when they give us the full title, it gives us a sense of where they're going. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ant-Man 3 became, you know, Ant-Man and the 
what in quantum mania, which we knew previous. But when they as they do that, it, it starts to give us a little bit more of an idea. Of course, they also did the tease of the Fantastic Four at the end. Yeah. Uh, which was a really big deal. And all of it, I think, you know, the totality of everything they're doing is incredible. I mean, it's just the scope. I mean, four movies next year for the, I mean, is it four movies the rest of this year? I mean, it's crazy. Um, in conjunction with the TV shows, I, what more can you ask for? I mean, it's really, yeah. it's really pretty great. Um, and, and, you know, there was no mention yet of Captain America, which we know is coming, Captain America 4. There's no mention of several other things, you know, that we know is, are coming along. It's all pretty exciting. So about Guardians 3, so there's been this theory going on that Drax is going to be dying in the movie. And the titles in the movie all have certain colors. And there's also this other theory that the colors are the major sacrifices of the movie or like, well, yeah, I guess that. Um, and the first movie's title is green, I mean, brown, which is Groot. Blue for the second one, which is Yondu. Tail for this one is gray. So hmm. that is leading into the Drax thing. Interesting. Hmm. There you go. Look which, out. which is kind of... Which is funny, I wouldn't put it past Marvel to do something like that, you know, because that's right up their alley of dropping little Easter eggs that they're like, oh, we told you this like five years ago that we were going to do this, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. But, you know, in the grand sense, in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, Brooks, that I, I could totally see that being an actual thing that comes out, that comes out of the mouth. <laughs> Rude yeah, I have to say, you know, of, of everything, you know, getting the dates is all pretty incredible. Um, yeah, and, and letting your mind spin on it. Now, it was also the first footage we've seen from Eternals, which is such a wild card in, in terms of no one knows how it connects to the rest of the story. No one knows why they decided to go Eternals and 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 pull from Jack Kirby's old, you know, playbook. Um you know, it almost it, but they go back to the beginning of the world, and in different storylines, they're written into the future. So, but I just thought what they showed us. I mean, I, I'm I'm maybe more excited for the Eternals than anything else now, just because it's it's so broad. And there's a lot of Oscar buzz for it. I mean, people who have seen it uh, tend to think it's going to be incredible. I mean, I think Vegas has it as the second you know, highest odds to win the Oscar next year for best picture right now, which is, that's based on something. That's not just, you know, the fact that the director, you know, won. Um, so there's a lot, of, I was surprised how much of that footage seemed like it took place now. Mm -hmm. I, I was expecting it to be more kind of like this pre-apocalyptic kind of almost like commandy type thing, like, you know, caveman type, you know, like Vandal Savage almost from DC type yeah. stuff. It really it looked like it took place now, a lot of what they were showing, which I thought was interesting. If you... Well, I mean, I can see them doing something now, you know, because if these, if, these, if they're the Eternals and they're these figures who are centuries, however many year old, I could see there being something, like you said, Mark, of that, you know, beginning stages that they're in. And this is just where they are now in our time. 
Um, I think that, you know, like what they showed kind of just, I think that also brings people into in the Eternals. Because if you show them something that kind of fits into the mold of the MCU now, then they'll be like, okay, well, I can get behind this. Where if you show them something where there are cave people, you know, and this, this kind of dystopian thing, they're going to be like, what? Because it's not space. So if you put them in a space setting, they people could get that. But if you do something there where it's, you know, and then it's also very vague. It's a very vague tra- teaser. So it's just enough to get people interested. Like, okay, well, what is this? What are we, what are we going for? Like, you didn't show me a whole lot. Even when they showed them in their costumes, it was a very wide shot, mm-hmm. you know, of it. So even if you, unless you had like a very, like you had HD and on your TV, and you zoomed in, and you look at it, but they didn't show you very much. They just showed wide shots and a little bit of dialogue and a character here, or a big group shot here. Uh, a fantasy sword there and boom and that was the end of it you know and you're like okay but like mike said i am very intrigued about this like that and shang chi shang chi are the two that i'm really really interested in because i know nothing about those characters or who this story is um i mean i would dare say i know more about shang chi just from iron man 3 more than in the Ten Rings, more than I do about the Eternals. But at the same time, I'm very excited to see these characters come in and see what they're gonna what they're gonna bring to it. Now, two things. First, our, our <laughs> Kevin comments that he's you know, he says Brooks, you're awesome. So Brooks, you've got a fan. Uh, <laughs> and Kevin, he likes what you're <laughs> out there. Um, one of the things that happened in a, in a later Eternals line when they gave Neil Gaiman the Eternals to write. His storyline in them is that they're all waking up in our in in and actually the civil war, meaning Marvel Civil War, you know, because they run into uh, to Tony Stark, who who says that they're not registered. Um, they're waking up with amnesia, not remembering who they are, and the, and part of this the arc of the story is to remember who they are and to come back. Now I can't imagine that they would grab Gaiman's, you know, later Eternals versus you know kirby's original but he was building on it so and it and it would make sense for for them to be in today's world so um yeah the possibilities are endless two i'm looking forward to is uh thor love and thunder and um the third guardians i mean those two franchises just took off i mean taika watiti's uh i just watched um Ragnarok again and every time I watch it it just gives me that same nostalgia of the 80s Flash Gordon movie uh with the Queen soundtrack and all I mean the you know the Led Zeppelin and just the way it fits um it's so good so I can't wait to see like what the next one's going to be and just I mean James Gunn's Guardian both movies was were incredibly strong and then you look at the Suicide Squad um trailer and you're like that looks awesome so i i can't like i can't wait a for the soundtrack for the third film <laughs> right the, the yeah. um i can't wait till they actually release a trailer for it and then the fantastic four teaser I, i'm a huge fantastic four fan so i would love to see a it done right finally um and b i, I just can't wait to see what they're doing with it because you know that's the part that kills you they just show the four and then that's it 
it's funny you talk about music, Gary. You know, I I think I first heard that you know Led Zeppelin immigrant song when I was 14 or 15. Yeah. And, I, and I've loved it ever since, but now I can't hear it without seeing Thor yeah. coming down onto that bridge with lightning coming <laughs> Change the song, it, you know, from a movie that I saw 30 years later in my 40s, you know, like, that's kind of crazy how they can, you know, just rewrite something in your head. It, it was the right song in the right moment, for sure. Mm -hmm. I wonder how they thought about using that song in that scene. It fits perfectly. It really does. Yeah. Well, even like like with the Guardians, like the opening scene of the first movie, again, it's kind of one of those scenes where the song really shouldn't match what's going <laughs> right. on. But in hindsight, it does and it will forever match what's going on. Yeah. And then even like the Cat Stevens song at the end of the um, second one for the funeral scene. I mean, that song's incredible for that moment. Or Fleetwood Mac in Guardians 2. I mean, yeah. like, the, the Guardians soundtracks are far and away better than any other movie. They, you know, they're just great classic, you know, rock mixed into everything. I think it's because like, like, because Peter Quill was plucked off of Earth in that time period. Right. So like, to, so he has no other reference of music other than what was on that cassette tape. So that to him is the epitome of music. And, you know, and like, like Mike said, like you said, you know, we're all in our, you know, late thirties, forties. So that time frame for us, that music hits for us on a completely different level. So we're like, Oh my God, yes, that is a guess. That's it. You know, um, you know, and even the opening song for him where he's, walking through on Boromir, you know, and or where you not on Boromir, but where he was getting the getting the stone and he's dancing across and that comes out, you're just like, wow, that's an awesome song for this. You know? Uh which 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 makes me laugh when you go back into uh Endgame and they go back in the future yeah. and and they're all they're standing there watching him with no music. They don't <laughs> hear the music. They just see him dancing and singing to himself. Which makes you laugh because we all have done that. You know, you've all seen that person. You're like, I wonder what they're listening to. Like, what are you, you know? So that's why that soundtrack is just amazing. And then, like you said, soundtrack two, where he opens the thing from his mom, and it's another soundtrack. And just the music from there is just, you know, that 70s, 80s music rock genre is just was amazing for for that. And it was. It was just all perfectly set to those tunes and those those scenes that they had for that movie. Only Tarantino has used music combining pop culture and the to give an edge to a movie that better than James Gunn has. I mean it's they're I mean it's, it's pop culture. They're all flavors of the moment but they all work perfectly within the film and it's they're you know they're the two masters at it for right now. Great point. Great, Great point. All right, so we're not going to hover too much. I mean, there's there's no way we're not going to be back on Marvel, you know, every week, you know, from now until 2030. Um, but we've had a couple other things that have happened over the last uh, week where we had a teaser for Stranger Things season four, um, you know, only a minute long, um, but powerful and telling. Um, 
Mark, what you, I know you guys are Stranger Things fans. That's my jam. Uh, love Stranger Things. I, you know, never has the word teaser been more adequately uh, used. <laughs> I don't know what that really was, where it fits in the story. Is it a flashback? Is it current? Is it in her mind? Is it, we, we know nothing how about any of that. You know, the character's not even alive, right, anymore at this point that, you know, Papa, right, in theory, or no, he is. No. No, he's not. It's a, but so, I mean, it's a really, well, he might be, we don't know, right? Like there's all this kind of confusion. Is this even a flash? Is this a flashback scene or is it happening? Yeah, we don't know. And, you know, it's, you know, to me, the interesting takeaways are we know now after the one, after season two, that Eleven was not alone. She was one of at least 11 of these people. You get the sense from that teaser trailer that we're going to meet maybe some of the other ones as well this season. You get the sense that we're going to dig into kind of more of the trauma of what Eleven went through while she was raised there. And the style, you know, is in keeping with the way the rest of that show has gone, which is incredible. And that trailer being that Eleven's getting her powers back. Yeah, is Eleven getting her powers back? I mean, we, there's so, so much has happened since, you know, that season three. I, I'm excited, but I have no idea what that was. I mean, you know, which is great, which is great fun, right? It's been so long. I swear I thought Finn Wolfhart was going to be like 30 years old when he <laughs> He might be. But it's, it's just, it was really good. But it, it is bracing a little bit, like um, seeing her where the last Stranger Things ended and then seeing her in the new Godzilla film, but they are aging quickly as kids do when they hit adolescence. So um, I'm curious to see how many more seasons they're going to be able to uh, get without doing a time jump or something like that, which yeah. they play with time all the time. They'd be good to go. Yeah. I mean, but you can always get away with kids. I do agree that you're going to get to a point where you can't get away with it for too long of them playing teenager you'll you know being in middle school or like early high school when they like you did like they grow up i mean uh but i do think you know for this last season if they don't do a time jump this season and they continue with it i definitely think you have to do a time jump to even three years like three years later four years later kind of thing i mean you could do something like that now like you know if you go with whatever it was at the end scene of there where they showed Hopper. Um, you know, they could get away with even saying that that scene was a three-year jump yep. of him being there for three years. You know, that he, he could, you could have Hopper be in whatever situation he is for an amount of time or what, and I don't know what you work. I'm like, you just, you don't, <laughs> right. that's the great thing I love about this show is you don't know where you're headed with it the hopper scene in the russian prison camp that was another teaser right that happened you know that they kind of previewed that as yeah. a way to say and because we thought he might be dead or just gone yeah. you know i yeah. just have a thought with the kids getting older i mean theoretically it's been done before i mean most of the kids in the original beverly hills 90210 were like 30 playing <laughs> high school i mean luke perry was right right great right they yeah, just yeah. like 28 in that movie or something, right? <laughs> how, how old was Michael J. Fox in Family Ties? Right? Yeah. <laughs> had to be 25, yeah. right? Right. 
I mean, we I mean, Ralph Macchio was fifty when he was playing the Karate Kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what did you, you say, Joe? I said Ralph Macchio was fifty when he played the Karate Kid originally. He was like a high school kid. Yeah. You know? yeah. He's like seventy years old now playing <laughs> playing a dad. You know, so you know whatever it is. I mean, but we yeah, have a I world mean, where they had a middle-aged David Hasselhoff running shirtless on a beach and saying it was it was good. <laughs> yeah. so we could do anything after that. Yeah, you can do anything now. So. So, and one thing they did not give us was a date on Stranger Things, right? We still don't know a date. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. So, no. I hope it is going to be. Blew our chance of ever having David Hasselhoff on our show. I think I've made fun of him before. <laughs> Thanks. <Dave. laughs> yeah. Well. But I mean, if you go with, I was gonna say, if you go with kind of like what, go ahead. Oh, I said Hasselhoff is big in Europe. We're big in India, so we we won't match. (laughs) Go ahead, Joe. I was gonna say, yeah. What I was gonna say is, if you kind of look at what they've done with uh, Stranger Things in the past, is they've always kind of released it around some holiday. I feel like, like they release one like during Halloween, and then they did one. Like I feel like it was over the summer during Fourth of July weekend, and then there was another—I I forget what the first the winter one came ball out. and Christmas, right? The winter, yeah, ball. the Christmas time winter ball. So I feel like they're releasing their schedule is kind of released around different holidays, so that it kind of plays into the story, you know. So again, like right now, Thanksgiving, they—they all—they all get back together. They all come home. Yeah, Thanksgiving. I think. Well, they have, you know, yeah, because they said like when she left. I think he even said something about Thanksgiving coming home one time, because as we all know, they're 11 and Janice and the two brothers are, have moved. They've left. uh, What's the name of the town? Hawkins. Hawkins. Yes. Thank you, bro. They left Hawkins. So they've moved on to somewhere else where the other main cast has stayed in Hawkins. So it could be a Thanksgiving thing where they come back to visit for thanksgiving and you know all of a sudden the turkey gets up and starts running around you know trying to trying to eat them instead i, I mean it's a demi turkey all of a sudden you know i mean you never know with that oh show, that'd be so. awesome they did have like infected rats last season so they're doing yeah. a big uh a big bunch of vegetarianism, you know, hits after that show comes out. You know, but. Yeah. <laughs> Netflix, interestingly, you know, in, in thinking about um, Jupiter's legacy, you know, Netflix has yet to do just a one episode at a time release, right? They they drop a whole season when they drop it. I, I think they've done that for a few shows before. Uh, my understanding is that they're considering doing that for Stranger Things this time. They've kind of seen how it works with Disney. I mean, just look at us. I mean, we're, you know, we talk, yeah. you know, Disney show one at a time each week. And I mean, there's a lot of people in media that are doing that. I think my, what I've heard is that they're considering doing it for that show in particular, for Stranger Things, doing one at a time, which I like as a viewer a lot better. I love having something to look forward to. I mean, I just really do. I mean, it's. Yeah. I'd be a fan of that. I think they should, to be honest. You know, it, it's. It they can. If they could have the episodes come out twice a week, I think that'd be. That would work for you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it would be crazy yeah. if they do release it around Thanksgiving because I, I know um, they also plan on releasing the next season of Cobra Kai 
right around the last quarter of 2021 again. So they would have two back-to-back hit shows. And that was the other one they were talking about doing one episode at a time. I heard rumors that they were doing those two shows one episode at a time. Which we still have yet to do a Cobra Kai episode. That's which, true. Uh, I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. Yeah. The only right. thing is, is if we do an episode, Jeff Sanders has to fight someone in the karate ring. <laughs> Sanders versus Laramore. <laughs> they're not here. They're not here to deny it, so they get to do it. So yeah, they they don't get to refute it. All right. I want to see Sanders versus uh, Sarver. That'd be a good one too. So, so we're. So to to try to stay uh, incredibly topical, a trailer that was dropped today was Venom: Let There Be Carnage. So the second Venom movie, um, you know, which is Marvel and Sony the same way Spider Man has been, but we you know Spider Man has pulled himself into the MCU. No, there's no hint that Venom will, although it'd be a lot of fun. Um, but the the trailer in and of itself. Is kind of a, a comedy horror mashup, um, you know, in a in a fun way. We know we've got we knew after the the teaser scene at the end, the end credit scene was Woody Harrelson as Cletus Cassaway, Cassaday. Um, you know, how did how did the, the trailer grab you guys? I think that uh, like the, the 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 opening scene where he's just making breakfast and. Uh, you know, Tom Hardy's character just is so just done with it all. You can just tell um, he's just making it, just throws this mash of food on the floor or on the table for him. Um, and then the very end scene where they talk about the chocolate, he's like, we had a deal. And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to eat Mrs. Thing. And he's like, no, you can't eat her. He's like, what? I think those are the two funniest parts of me. It really kind of hooked me into, like you said, this kind of horror comedy thing where he, uh, where Tom, I can't remember his name. Tom Hardy's character yeah. and Venom are uh, Eddie Brock. Are, Eddie Brock. Eddie Brock and uh, Venom are starting to get just to know one another and how they're working out in this kind of weird anti-hero, whatever he's going to be seeing. So I'm again, I'm interested. I'm, I'm curious to see it. I was surprised. Did anyone else pick up? It, it seemed like. Um... The part of the symbiote was being played by the Cookie Monster. Did anybody? <laughs> oh, I'm never going to be able to unhear that. Now. Like, the entire time, every time I watch it now, I'm going to hear Cookie Monster. Brooks also picked up. We watched it together before this. I hadn't seen it. We watched it together before we started this episode. Brooks also picked up on the Daily Bugle reference, which is probably some pretty good insight into that Spider-Man's going to be coming into this world. I think. I think it's pretty safe to say. I thought it was funnier than I thought it would ever be, but I, I I do not expect it's going to be any less gory at the end of the day than I thought it was going to be. I think they're kind of playing this towards it's going to be so gory, it's going to be funny. I think that's going to kind of be the style of the film, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. I like it. I, I, I thought it looked great. I thought uh, I'm, I'm ready to roll with it. I, I, I was much more excited about it after seeing it. The trailer that I thought was going to be. I never expected the movie that introduces Carnage to have Venom making breakfast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if Carnage sounds like Grover, I'm out. 
It looks good. Um, I think you're going to see them start tying it into at least the MCU's version of Spider-Man more. Um, now that Sony and Marvel have worked out the, these long-term plans and deals. Um, it started with Morbius, if that ever gets released. Um, it keeps getting set back. But in the Morbius trailer, which for some reason I just watched again today, I, I don't know why, um, there's a wanted poster of Spider-Man. And, you know, we saw in the last Spider-Man, he's probably going to be wanted um, in the upcoming continuity. So in, in the original trailer, it was on the poster, it was actually um, Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man or... Toby Maguire's Spider-Man, I can't remember yeah. one of the two, but I think I've heard and um, they re-edited it for the next time they release it, that it's going to be um, the MCU Spider-Man. So I think we're going to start seeing those movies tie in to um, the current MCU continuity. Not, not be fully absorbed into it because Sony probably wants a backdoor, but somehow be kind of pulled in. The strangest thing about that poster is that not only is that a picture of Tony McGuire's Spider-Man, but it's not even a picture from like the movies or a new picture. It's from the PS4 game. Yeah. <laughs> so they, they probably must- at the time didn't have the rights that they to the Spider-Man they wanted to use, so they were just like grab the most recent picture they could. Makes sense. Kevin Kevin says that he thinks Woody Harrelson is going to be awesome. This I agree. You got two absolute heavyweight actors in Tom Hardy and Woody Harrelson. And, and I mean, all you have to do is go back to natural born killers or other things. I mean, Harrelson can play a total wacko. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and Cletus Cassidy is, is that, I mean, it, it, this is, I'm really um, pretty amped for it. And I do hope that it, it's, it's odd to have Venom not connected to Spider-Man in any way, you know? Um, so maybe. You know, we'll we'll see what comes around. I feel like Eddie Brock is going to be the straight man, and Venom's going to be the comic in this, and you're going to get a lot of that, a lot of that interaction between the two of them, um, of being the you know the comedy and the straight man kind of thing where you see between the two of them just just from the trailer itself, you know, from that first scene of of the and I, I agree with Brooks. I was like, when he started with it, I was like, what he's making breakfast. Okay, all right, you know, and I thought it was more of, you know, Eddie Brock using it to do that, but when you cut back to Eddie Brock, he's just so unbothered by the whole thing, and he's just like, all right, just, you know, just do what you're going to do, and and the opening scene is the sign that says, we do not eat people, you know, <laughs> as a reminder, they're like, you know, you can't eat people, like, you can't just eat them, because, you know, Venom on the loose, he would just eat everybody just because, because they were there um so yeah so again i'm kind of i'm kind of interested to see this you know to see how this connects to what the last movie where they're going to go and if there's any inkling of that spider-man coming into or with spider-man or how they're going to use moving forward so we are weighing in at about an hour and eight minutes or so so I think we've we've touched on a lot, and, and we'll have a lot of things we we have we've yet to bring up. Um, Sweet Tooth, Jeff Lemire's um, series that's that's that Robert Downey Jr. and his wife have produced. It's coming out in Netflix in June. 
Um, you know, we were going to hope to get to some books that we're reading and looking forward to, but we'll push that back to next week. And, uh, you know, I think that'll, we'll, we'll call it an episode for the evening. You know, Kevin, we appreciate you. Good to hear <laughs> from you. Um, you know, as, as Gary says, uh, you know, send your, send your number around or, or, uh, let, let give Joe permission. We'll bring you on the show. You got you can hop on and talk with us. Just got a thumbs uh, yeah, up on that. Yeah, man. Come on in. Good stuff, man. So thanks all. And uh, we'll see you next week. Have a good night, everybody. See ya.